Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. KB's Car Care, they offer hand car wash along with vacuum and clean interior. Coming soon, you'll also be in full detail will be available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They'll open from Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Also, this episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spartanburg Highway, Lyman, South Carolina, 29365. So thank you guys for sponsoring this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. And today we have a special guest with us. We finally made this interview happen. He is the the founder of Jay Anders Brand. Um, Also has a new book that is out right now called Success is My Prey. And today I'm joined by Mr. Jerry Smith. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on, man. uh, I appreciate you, man. I know we went back and forth, you know, exchanging messages, trying (laughs) to figure out a time to, you know, try to make this interview happen. So I'm glad to finally have you on man so i appreciate it and, definitely uh, man definitely definitely but we man I, I i dove into this book um like i was telling you off camera i, I really enjoyed it it's a, a lot of stuff that you were talking about in your book i was like man you know what it's kind of like similar to some of the stuff that i'm actually talking about in my book which will be out next year but i was like man i, I really enjoyed it um but just starting out success is my prey talk a little bit about the book like what made you want to write your book so what made me want to write it man um for years growing up, you know, teenage years and my early 20s, my early adulthood, um, I would be talking and motivating people just just out of naturalness, you know, not even trying to. And so a lot of people, they would just tell me, hey, man, you need to be a speaker. You should be a speaker. You should write a book. And, I, you know, I put it out for the longest. I'm like, nah, you know, just, right. you know I just like talking and helping people. But I didn't realize how much I just love doing it. And that's just my forte. I just love to help people. So I'm like, well, let me finally write a book. And that way I can reach a larger audience and help more people. And, you know, and let me just see where it goes. And so that would drove me to finally write the book, you know, just after hearing feedback like that over the years. Absolutely. Success is my prey. Uh, talk talk about that title. I know you, you talk about it and you explain it in the book. But for people who haven't had a chance to, to purchase it yet, um, why the title Success is My Prey? So the title, I came up with the title Success is My Prey. And as you can see on the cover, I got a lion right there beside me. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I went that route is because every day when I wake up, um, every day when I wake up to attack my goals in life and just attack my journey, I put myself in a, in a lion mentality, mind right. state. So, um, so my goals are my prey. You know, it's just that simple. So that's success in my prey. So if I set a goal today, uh, I make that goal my prey and I don't stop. Like a lion, you don't stop until he get his prey. You know, Absolutely. he he's hungry and, he, and he's going to go after his prey and he don't stop until he get it. So, you know, translate that to us humans. It's, it's like, you know, I set a goal and I don't stop. I don't, I'm, I'm hungry every day until I achieve that goal. So success in my prey. Absolutely. Some of the things that I... um took away from this book like i said i really enjoyed it um for me one of them was that like your mom like she like you know when kevin Durant said the real mvp like your mom was like the the mvp man like she she really held it down yeah um she she i was like it's the, the stuff that you guys had to go through and how she you know tried to keep things together you know um just being independent i was like man she she was strong and she did everything she could you know to kind of keep it together and i can also tell man like 
I can tell you, you listen to Jay Z too. Yeah, like, yeah, he, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Z is dope, man. Like you listen to his story, like yeah. all his music, it has a story and and the things that he talk about, man. It's just it's great. So I was like, man, he, I can tell you, he's very into uh to Jay Z as well. But man, it's I I enjoyed it. But um something that stuck out to me early in the book, you know, when you, at the very beginning you were talking about like how you know you had people tell you you know about writing a book, and then you also said you had. A family member that said not to write a book or don't do public speaking because you weren't as accomplished yet. Mm-hmm. How did it make you feel, you know, um, hearing that from a family member? That that made me feel, it made me feel real down on myself. Um, and for that reason, that's all, that's another reason why I stalled on the book for so long. I'm like, okay, well maybe he is right. You know, uh, maybe I haven't accomplished enough. Maybe you know I haven't you know, graduated college at, at the at the normal age to graduate college or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I allowed that negativity to um, stall my book and, and stall mo- much of my success right now um, when, when I could have been got started on the earlier when I wanted to. So, you know, hearing that family member, it, it really did um, get me down at first. But then I just got into the, the mind state. I'm like, okay, uh, family, no family, you know, I'm just, if it's something that I want to do, I'm going to do it. And right. I'm just going to, I'm going to put the book out regardless of where I met in life. So I didn't want to wait 20 years from now until I reached the pinnacle of my success to finally then put a book out. Right. I want to put a book out based on where I'm at today and just give people the feedback on, on, you know, give them a personal touch on me where I'm at today. Right. So whether that family member agree and, which they still don't still yet have bought the book, but it's no big deal because at the end of the day, um, I just wake up every day, stay positive, and you know the book is getting pretty good feedback from around the world right, right. now. So. But and I'm glad that you actually put the book out because you know for me I was I was I'm like I'm saying I was like in the same situation, and it, to me I was like you know what, it's it's no guarantee ten twenty years where we'll be here to tell our story. Right. So why not right. you know tell where you are right now and the things that you went through because this is something people can learn from now like you don't you never know how it can impact somebody's life right now where you are that's true and then as, as for us we can look back on this book and you're like man 10 20 years from now god willing we're still here we're like man look where we were at this time in our right. life to where we are now so i was so i'm like i'm glad that you put the book out now that, that was one of the same things that i was thinking about i was like you know what i'm far from where i want to be right but even to this point where I'm at now, I still come a long way from when I first started exactly. to like where I'm at. So it's all about that journey and it's a process. So that's why I'm glad that you put the book out. But isn't it weird how sometimes like you, we always hear a lot that, you know, sometimes the people that don't even know you can actually be like your biggest <laughs> supporters. Like it's right. strange how, how that happens sometimes. And I'm, I haven't had any family member that say, you know, don't do this because you're not successful. Like, the people that you see on TV, they, they even if they they may think that they never told me that, or they may you know support mm-hmm. it, but and and deep down they may want me to do some other things, but they never said that. But you know it's it's just crazy how sometimes uh like like I'm saying that some of the people that don't even know you yeah. can actually be your biggest supporter. And that's crazy, man. And things like that motivate me even more. So when that family member told me that. Um, like I said, I was down, but then I just turned around and used it as motivation. I'm like, okay, I guess I, ju- I guess I, ju- I just have to show you. But then on top of that, though, instead of focusing on that one person, I started focusing on my supporters, people who actually genuinely support me, 
and I got people right now around the country I don't even know uh, that support me like like they've been knowing me since day one. Right. So so rather than focusing on what one person had to say negatively, I'm focusing on the hundreds of other people that's been supporting me around the country. Um, I even had book sales fly out to Africa earlier this year. So, I mean, that's I got major. people across the globe that don't know me and I don't know them, but they add me on social media or they follow me. And, you know, after that, the rest is history, you know. Right. And uh, so that's why I'm at now. So I just focus on those people who do support me rather than the people who don't support me. Yeah, I just... And I think it, it just comes with the territory of entrepreneurship, even with music artists, or whatever it is. It's always going to be people that don't agree with it. They may not like yeah. it, but then it's always going to be the other side that people that do like it. And like I said, how, how, how is that feeling to know, like you say, you're shipping books out to Africa and people from far all over the world are, are buying your book? What is that feeling like for you knowing that you touch people all over the world? Man, uh... At first, it was like butterflies. It's like it's like man, like it's just real, you know. I'm like, dang, it's, it's just real, you know. So uh, I started getting orders coming in when I first launched the book, and I got major orders came. In. I'm like, man, is this real right now? It done kind of sunk into me now a little bit, but it still feels surreal. Just last week, I'm out in public, and somebody come up to me, hey, you the guy that wrote the book? Success in my prayer. I'm like, yeah. He's like, how can I how can I order a copy? You know. So I'm st- I'm still getting moments like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just feels surreal, man. But all in all, I'm just totally grateful. You know, I'm I'm trying to remain humble as I can, right? Because I I've come so far to get to this point, and everybody who do support me, and whether big or small, man, it's just like it's just genuine genuine love. So uh, I'm just taking it in. Like every time somebody approach me, every time somebody orders something, I get. I get hyped up like it's my first order all over again. Right. You know, so it just still surreal, man. But uh, um, I'm starting to get used to it a little bit. But you know, it is it is a little bit more attention, but it's good attention. You know, I'm just knowing that I'm touching somebody else and helping somebody else's son or or lady or whoever else. You know, just helping somebody in a good positive way. That's all that matters to me at the end of the day. I, I had some questions about the book. Um, I'm not going. Pick say right everything um, because I want people to you know go out and support it. But I did pick some questions out because it was very okay. interesting. So kind of like starting out at the beginning of the book, you were talking about how um, you said, like I said earlier, your mom she used the MVP and you know she went through a lot. But um, one of the parts you were talking about how when you were younger, you know she ended up going like it was crazy how actually you saying like like everybody in your immediate family went to jail or went to prison some some way <laughs> of fashion. And then um, you were talking about your mom. When she ended up going to prison, how did that affect you as a child? That that was the biggest impact. Um, like I said, my everybody in my immediate family, everybody feelings. Mm-hmm. Everybody, even down to me now, uh, everybody feeling. So they all have been to jail. But when it happened to my mom, that was the biggest impact because it happened right in front of me. You know, right, I, right. I'm, I'm we living in um, Union, you know. And I was going to Jonesville Elementary at the time, and it, and it was like, uh, you know, she the police came knocking on the door, and she went to go hide under the bed, and she told me to go tell them that she's not here. So of course I'm going to tell them she's not here. But then when they came in, barge in, and of course they found it. it didn't take long to find in a single single wide trailer, right. uh, up under the bed, pulled her out, took her to jail. So it's like that right there impacted me the most. So that year at Jonesville Elementary. I didn't care nothing. I mean, I'm only in the first grade, but I didn't care nothing about school. You know, I, I didn't care nothing. She, granted, she had to go do six months in Columbia, but uh, them six months was like, 
I felt the lowest point of my life, and I'm just and I'm young as I don't know what. And right. so, uh, but the day she got out, you know, when she got out, she's I didn't know she was coming home. She was at home when we got out the bus, and uh, and then we just our bond just clicked, and our bond been been like big time ever since then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so just seeing her go through what she went through. And, you know, through prison and how she bounced back and got her GED and took herself through college twice. She got two college degrees. And now today to see her as an entrepreneur, we sitting right here at her salon. uh, It just it just that's also a surreal feeling. I'm just talking to her earlier. You know, we had our little mother and son talk, you know, just the moments like that. And it's like uh, just seeing what she went through, man, how she held it down. It's like I. I can't have no excuses for myself out here because she showed me it can be done. You just got to get out here and grind and go get it. But uh, so my mom, she always had to hustle. She always had that grind in there. And uh, just seeing her doing what she's doing now and then seeing where she come from, it just, I get, sometimes I get tears of joy, man, right. just watching it. I'm like, dang, that's, like, that's really my mama. Then it don't make it no better. We got our birthdays all day apart. Oh, so, man, it's dope. Yeah, my birthday a day right before her birthday. So we always celebrating our birthday right there together. We both Libra. So uh, it's just surreal, man. Like, she the, she the biggest MV, MVP, I mean, uh-huh. you know. So I'm always going to be mama's keeper. <laughs> did, did you have to, um, you know, of course it's your story, but did you have to kind of, like, clear some things or talk to her? Like, hey, mom, I'm putting this in this book. So is it is it all right, or was it just you know I'm just gonna tell my story and did it? Nah, actually, um, I just told my story. You know, what I'm saying I just told my story, and I let the family read it from how they read it. You know, what I'm saying, right. and that was that because I wanted to tell my truth from what I knew and what I remember. You know, and everything. So I just wanted to tell my story my way, and that's that. You know, uh, granted, some family members read it, and it's like you know, but then, but. You know, and, and the thing about it, it was family members that read it that it didn't. I didn't talk too much about them. I'm mainly talking about my immediate, like my right, mom, my right, dad, right. relationship, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just, I just wrote, I just shared my truth. And my mom, she read the book and she signed off on everything. Right. She was like, yeah, you know, everything is facts. <laughs> right. Did did it, did anybody else kind of you know? Did it rub them the wrong way, or did they say anything to you, or they just, you know, they read it, but just, you know, kind of like... Well, I got, you know, that one family member in particular who who told me in the first place, I won't be able to write a book. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and I wrote the book, but, and it's funny, because this family member, he still haven't read the book, still haven't bought it, but he been having the most to say about it. So, you know, I mean... That's just about the only, other than that, the rest of my family, everybody in my family, mom and my dad's side, everybody, I'm getting good love back from the book. My grandparents, uh, my cousins, I mean, everybody are rocking with the book, and they all rocking with the story, how I told it, and um, it's all facts, but it's only that one particular family member. Right. <laughs> <And it just laughs> I, I think you, you might, uh, maybe, hopefully they'll come around to, to it, um, you know, gravitating towards the book, but if not, man, it just... It is what it is. I yeah, mean, yeah. Hopefully they they'll uh, take the time. And maybe y'all can can work that out. But other than that, man, just keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I love with um, one of the things um, in this book. I love this uh, saying that you had past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. Talk a little bit about that line in the book. Yeah, man. A great so, line. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. Um, that was my line. Like I kept in my in my mind every day when I got off felony probation. I was determined not to let my past 
not to like live in the past anymore. Everybody from my old neighborhoods, they kept knowing me as you that same guy that was in the streets, that was right. guy that was out there robbing people and dreadhead, nappy do, snappy that. But I'm like, yeah, I hear you, but I don't hear you. I don't live there no more. Right. So when I say past is a place of reference, it's because, um, you know, I get it. Some people like to say, well, just forget about your past and that. And it's true. But at the same time, we still got to refer back to our past um, and, and just face our past for what it, what it is. That, that to me, is the, is the, the best way you're going to heal from your past. You got to face it. So you got to face your past, which means refers back to it, and just use that past as motivation and just keep going. You know, So it's a place of reference, not a place of residence. You just refer back to it, but you ain't got to live there. Absolutely. Talk to me something about, I, I wanted to ask you about it. So you said felony probation. Yeah. So you never went, you, you never, the only thing you had was probation, right? Right, 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 right. How is is that really how it is though? Um, like you were saying, like your mom, she was trying to keep up the payments for probation. I think you were on house arrest. Right? I was on house arrest. Yeah. So, yeah. so is that always how it is? Like you, if you're on house arrest, that you have to make these mm-hmm. weekly or monthly payments. Yep. Like all the time, and if not, then they'll come. Because I was when yeah. I was reading the story, like how it happened, and you got the phone call. Yeah. I was like, it was crazy, and, and they came and picked you up. Yeah. Because. Yeah. The payments was falling behind. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Well, that was my pay. second time going back to jail. They came in because I was already out on bun. I didn't have a bun at first. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting in there, senior year of high school, no bun. Because mm-hmm. uh, you said you signed something that you didn't know what it was. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't because I got. A, I had. A, I had a court appointed lawyer. You know, I had. A, I had a. Um, yeah, I had a court appointed, and you know, I didn't know anything about getting a court appointed, having a court appointed. So he had me sign a waiver on the bun. I didn't know what I was signing. You know. Uh, so anyway, I ended up getting a private lawyer, and uh, my private lawyer finally got me a bun, twenty five thousand dollar bun. But finally got me a bun, and I was able to bond out. But it was only on the contingency of me being on house arrest mm-hmm. until I go to trial. So I was on house arrest, but being on house arrest, you got to make payments, you know. So that's anywhere. So that's I didn't even know yeah, 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 right. Crazy. So that's the other part of of the justice system. Um, you know, it, it's certain things with the justice system that I wanna partake and have a reform man that i can try to be, make a change with because you know that's that's one thing like you know i'm on you on house arrest but i gotta make a payment so i gotta right. pay y'all it's, like, it's, to that's how it's crazy you know? it's like it's crooked because it's like they're almost bet, betting on you to lose well they are, they are they are they are like they're exactly bet. what they're doing they the system is it's betting on you to lose right. so that's why i tell guys other people that when you're on house arrest when you're on pro even when i was on probation i still had to pay that every month you don't, you don't pay house arrest. You don't pay probation. They come pick you up. They take, take you right back. So they betting on you to on you to lose. Right. So when they gave me my plea deal, they gave me a plea deal, and they was they get they gave me a plea deal. They said, okay, we will put you on feeling probation, um, but when you come out probation, you will be eligible to get your record expunged. Because uh, this is my first run in with the law, right. not my first time doing this crime, but my first time getting caught on this yeah, crime. Right. So so uh. So yeah, so so they was but they was betting on me to lose. Now I play a lot of chess, so at that moment I start looking at it like a, like a chess game. I'm, I'm like, okay, y'all want me to lose, but I know I'm gonna win. So it's like, um, all I gotta do is keep my nose clean, stay out of trouble. Y'all want me to get in trouble, right? Or y'all want me to 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 go out and do this and do that, so y'all come back and pick me up. But I'm not gonna give you what you want. Mm-hmm. So rather than I'm gonna keep my nose clean, I, I'm gonna be this guy that you think that I'm not gonna be. Um, 
and prove the justice system wrong at the same time, and which is what I did, and I did that right. successfully, and that's how I came off successfully and everything went on probation and stuff. Can you, can you work when you're on uh, like probation or house arrest and like? Because how, yeah. how how are you gonna be able to? You know, thankfully your mom she was trying to make those payments, but uh, I know you say she kind of fell behind. But if you didn't even have a family member that could do it. Would you have been able to, you know, like work or something that right. way you can make the payments? Yeah, yourself? you can. You supposed to be able to work. So when you when you're on house arrest or probation or anything like that, your probation officer or whoever they, you know, want you to find a job. Well, I ain't gonna say they want you to, cause again, they banking on you to lose. Right. So they ain't, they don't care if you find a job or not. They just want their money. That's all it is. So. Mm-hmm. You had to go find a job. Now, when you find a job, of course, you let them know your schedule. Hey, this is my schedule right here. And they let you know what time, you know, to be back in the house or certain things like that. Whatever what's in your contract. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, you can work and you post to work. But, again, unfortunately, with the justice system, a lot of people, uh, a lot of jobs don't take chances on people with, right. with, with felony records. So, it's like, okay, you want me to go to get a job to pay y'all. But these jobs not taking a chance because I got a record now. So now I'm forced in a way, most people, uh, most people, they are forced back into the environment that got them put in jail in the mm-hmm. first place. So they turn back to what they know, robbing or selling drugs. It's not that they may want to, but it's because, hey, I'm trying to. Option, really, right. I mean, this is my only. I, I got to keep y'all off my back. So I got to keep y'all paid. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm now I got to take chances. So it's, a, it's it's almost like a lose lose, and that's and that's where the loopholes in the system, that's where they got it up. Uh, that's what we up against, you know, mm-hmm. um, not knowing that going into it. So that's why I tell every everybody that I can, if you can get a legit job and keep your nose clean, stay out the way, mm-hmm. because once you get into that system, they banking on you to lose time at time at time, you know. So uh, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, you know, she fell behind, and when she fell behind. That's when they can't pick me up. Right. But as long as they were being paid, honestly, I was on house arrest, but I was still moving around the city. I was still, you know, going and coming as I please. They just wanted their money. Right. The justice system is all about money at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, so, so once you they, know it's a business. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's a business. You know what I'm saying? So but, once they get their money, they good. But once you fall behind, fall behind then they come knocking wrong. on the door and they picking you up. And Man, it's, it's almost <laughs> like, I guess, if you really don't even have the money or the resources, it's almost like, you might just be better off. I hate to say this, but better off in jail. Yeah, because for, right for some people's cases. Yeah, right. because if not, right. then you gonna end up either getting in worse trouble, mm-hmm. or you you gonna end up getting you gonna end up going back regardless. But it's like you might end up doing something worse the second time you get out, just because yeah. you're trying to you know survive yep. or whatever. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I met some guys when I was in there. I met I mean I met different people. I had like four different cellmates, and I met people that um. I had a guy that was on the murder char- capital murder charge, a guy that had been down the road, and he going back down the road. So I'm talking to these people, picking their brains, and, and this is the kind of stuff that they that they dealing with. Like one of the guys, he was like, look, I went ahead and came back to jail, and I was on probation, but these jobs don't want to give me a chance. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to go back to jail, finish my time up in, inside. So when I come back mm-hmm. out, come back out, I'm good, and you know I can move forward. But, yeah, I mean – you know, it's, and it's, it's sad they got to do it. That, it's sad. Like, same thing. My mom, like my mom, when she got when she had a felony, and when she she was a a college and uh, she was a program director. Well, she was a college professor at Virginia College and Northeast Georgia College in Georgia, but here in Virginia College in Spartanburg as well. Then she became program director. But the thing about it, 
when she was applying for these jobs, even though her stuff was like 20 plus years old, they would still hold that on her. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's who she was 20 years ago, but it's not who she is now, you know? And she hasn't been in trouble ever since then. So why, as jobs, why are we still holding that against people from 20 years ago? Right. So that's like, that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff. And that's the difference I'm trying to make even with my own company in the future. I want to be able to put guys in position when they come out of prison. I want to be in position to get them jobs, help them out, feed their family. Because at the end of the day, we don't go out here looking to get in trouble. You know, um, unfortunately, we, we grew up in backgrounds and environments. But when most people come out of prison, come out of jail, they don't want to go back. But right. they just need some help, some guidance along the way to keep them on the straight and narrow. So that's the kind of position I want to be in, yeah. you know. It's just like you said, it's, the system is just so set up. Like, it lets you know it's a business and it's like they, yeah. they're banking on those. I remember it was, last, it was last year. It was close to two years ago now. Um, we had Pastor Corey Aiken on down in Charleston. You know, he he's he's a pastor now, but uh, back then when he was um, had his in and out with the law, he was saying, you know, he was in the streets, you know, selling drugs, or whatever. Um, but he didn't look at it as like he was trying to harm anybody. It was just a way for him to survive, you know, and right. take care of what his family and do the things he had to do. Um, it was just like it just something that he had to do, like. I guess he he just didn't have the things that he needed, but you, like right. I said, it's, it's tough, man, to to see people have to go through this stuff, man. So and, and I was like, I, I hope, but you know, like for us, it's like the system is set up for black people to like fail. It it's, is. It it, I mean, I mean, it is, man. And so like similar situation, like like I said, I mean, I see my mom with four kids by herself struggling. So I hit the streets not because I wanted to, but because I'm like, well, I want to take the burden off mama. Right. If I could just take care of myself so she can focus on my other three siblings, any kind of help, that's what I want to do. So I hit the streets and, you know, I tried the drug game. That didn't work out at all. I'm mm -hmm. like, nah, yeah, I ain't going to, I can't do this right. drug thing. I, I touched a crack cocaine. I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't do that. But then I got into the robbery game, which is a little bit more easier. Granted, yeah, you, I'm robbing innocent people. But at that time, at that time, I didn't see it that way. Right. At that time, I'm like, it's survival mode. I, I'm trying to help my family, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help feed my family. Uh, but it was wrong to take from innocent people, too. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to help feed my family, you know. Fine. And then, yep. you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, uh, one thing, you know, so when you're in the streets, now you got to watch out. Not only do you got to watch out on your shoulders for the police, but then you got other people in the street trying to get you knocked off, too. Mm -hmm. Because you coming at them, they coming at you. And, you know, so it's like, it's a, it's a lose-lose. So that's why right. they say it's only two ways out the streets, either dead or in jail. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to go to jail and make it out without going back. But I got homeboys right now six feet under. I got homeboys right now doing 20-year bids right now, 30-year bids right now because they situations. You know, right. uh, I got, a, I mean, I got a homeboy, I mean, it's, Still to this day, is it, it was still surreal. Like we ran, we we ran the streets together. We had the same judge, different cases. He was he was there on the burglary on a, some burglary charge. I was in for my aunt robbery charge. Different different cases, but same judge. And uh, I told him one day before court, I said, "Hey man, if we make it out of this situation, if I make it out of my situation, you make it out of your situation. We got to get out of these streets." Right. I told him I was done. I said, "Bro, I gotta get out because this ain't this ain't it." And and he told me he was done, but unfortunately he wasn't. Mm. I had moved here to Carolina from Georgia, came here to Carolina, and he was still down there doing what he was doing. Uh, long long story short, 
you know, not to go into too much details, uh, take up too much time. But long, long, long story short, uh, you had the rap group Migos, uh, you know, the rap group mm-hmm. right now, and they was very hot around Atlanta, and you know, he into it with them, and one thing leads to another. He catch a murder charge. Mm. He get caught in. You know, he get caught, he kill himself, and you know what I'm saying? So, was that, uh, you know, I know you said talking about one of your friends, was the Davion one of them? Yeah, yeah, Davion, yeah, yeah, Davion yeah. gone too. Yeah, 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 Davion, yeah. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? I got homies like that, then I got homies in, inside right now, and it's like, you know, somebody gotta be the, somebody gotta lead this way. So, I let that be me, you know, um, and I and I ain't gave up on them guys, even right. the ones on the inside. I still reach out, still chop it up with them when they call and things like that. Just let them know, yeah, you know, you gonna come out, you can be better than what you was going in, you know. Right. And everybody got a season. I it didn't take me it didn't take me much to go ahead and learn from it and, and bounce, you know. And then other people take them a little longer, you know. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it's just a lose lose when you're in those streets, man. Right. It's it's didn't, no winning. Were you able to uh, clear your record, or is it still on there, or how did that work out? Uh, so how how it works is I, I was on the first offender act, which is when you come off that felony probation, you're eligible to get it expunged. It's expunged on my record, meaning can't no job hold me back now. Like I can go apply for a job and they can't hold it against me because now I have been cleared in the court of law. Right. But it's still on my court records. So. Yeah, right. yeah, like my court record. You still put my court records up right now and pull up all my charges I got arrested right. for. You know stuff like that. But uh. As far as the expungement, uh, or as far as that, it being on my when they were on my background check, even if it does come up, they can't hold it against me. But see, that's what I was see. I was thinking that like they expunge it is gone, like yeah. here, but so it's and, still on there. Yeah, well, actually, that's what I thought too. Like right, so so right, right when I right when I got it, well, right when I came out probation, I'm like, all right, good, I'm I'm good, I ain't, I'm good. It should be expunged. So then I went to go apply for BMW, and BMW said, hey, uh, you still got this on your background. I'm like, it shouldn't be there because I just got off probation. It should be expunged. But it was only today and I had to follow up with the process and fully understand how the process works, you know. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so that expungement is just for can't no job or anybody pull your background and hold that against you because now the court of law deems you innocent. You know, I wonder if they, they're not supposed to, but I wonder if they really, you know, still do hold it against you. Like, That's what I wanted too. to. I mean, yeah, I mean, because you got so much underhanded stuff that go on out here, man, especially with these companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've been learning in the, in the business world is the business world is a, it's a, it's a dirty world too. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? It's, it's dirty business all around. So uh, I wanted that. I, I do wanted that from time to time. I, I wonder if they do hold that against people, especially people who don't know no better mm-hmm. because, you know, it's easy to prey on people who are not educated on the stuff. Right. So if you come into that office and that company know you're not educated, you you easy prey. Mm-hmm. And they know you're not educated, they can they, they can get over on you. But if you come in there and you speaking with a certain type of intelligence and they know, okay, now they messing with somebody that know what he's talking about, they know not to play with him too quick because then they can have a lawsuit on their hands. Mm-hmm. You know. And a lot of times, you know, especially if the person, because a lot of times in these higher positions, when you go the further you go up the ladder, a lot of times those people don't look like us. Yeah. So if they don't look like us and they see these type of things on our record, even mm-hmm. though they may say is they're not gonna hold it us hold that against us, a lot of times you know they might try to find another reason to say, yeah. okay, well we just found somebody else that's more qualified. That's what they say, more qualified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But all in all, the real reason is 
you ain't want me because you say I all robbed somebody years ago, exactly. you know, but that's not who I am today. But you'd rather be scared of me, but then the person, that little college kid come out of college, he may he may be an accountant, but he might be trying about to rob your company for millions. Exactly. When when I'm just a guy who out of jail, I'm trying to make an honest living for myself now. Exactly. You know. So I mean it's yeah, it's tricky like that, man. Absolutely. It's, you um talk about your dad in the book and you know like I said, I, I met your dad uh uh, a couple months back when, during the union this time we mm-hmm. talked we had him on a couple of times a uh, great guy i enjoy having him on um talk about i know you, you guys had your, uh you talk about in the, the the past that you had with your father and everything that had going on how do you think it would have been like had he been around more in your life early on if if he was around more in my life and it, and think about it um i be careful when i say this because i don't blame him for anything right um you know, contrary to to popular belief, where most people like most people, it's the the easy cop out. It's a, it's a blame your dad not being in your life for why you mm-hmm. did what you did. My dad didn't make me go hit the streets. That was just something I done, and I got to own up to it as a man. However, though, at the same time, I, if he was around a little bit more, of uh, actually came to my games when he promised he he was and things like that, I think it would have made a, a a bigger difference on how I was coming up because. A father, a father being in their kid's life is a big impact. I mean, it's a real big impact. That's why I take fatherhood as serious as I do now today. I got two daughters, so mm-hmm. um, and I take it so serious only because I know the impact that my sister and I had to go through, or my siblings as well, like what we had to go through without, you know, dad's being in our life. But, um, you know, and but at, at the same time, though, it is what it is, and, and I don't hold it against him. I used to. I used to be filled with so much anger. Mm-hmm. Like I went at one point, I wanted to, uh, I don't know, fight him, and I mean, I mean, I was so far gone. I, I mean, I wanted to harm him in mm-hmm. the most harmful way uh, when I was in my teenage years. But that because I had so much anger and hurt built up. But then when I healed from it, I'm like, look, you know, I can't, I ain't gonna hold it against him. I can't hold it against him. Maybe at the time when he had kids, maybe he just wasn't ready. You know, what I'm saying. Um, I mean, he was in his early twenties. Maybe, right. maybe he didn't know. Maybe he didn't know how to how to raise a child. Maybe, maybe having a child scared him, and and for that moment, or maybe he just wasn't yet mature. You know, he's mature today, right. but Absolutely. at that at that moment, maybe he wasn't. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very open minded with stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, maybe maybe that was the case. You know, mm-hmm. but now today we got one of the best father son relationships that I can have that I can ask for, and he very. He's very involved with his grandkids, um, you know, grandkids, and he go hard for them, you know, and everything. So I'm grown now. My sister, we grown now. So I'm like, you know, it ain't much that we can do to repair the past. Once again, the past is a reference, not, not residence. So mm-hmm. we can't live there. I can't no longer hold you. I, I can't hold it against you. But what we can do is focus on where we at now and just build from there, you know. So we still got life to live, and he's still young. I think he's 48. 49 something like that so he's still young and and he do so much work for the community oh yeah uh Every so community. so yeah and, and and like he inspired me with stuff like that like so you know i'll just look at stuff like that man and um i don't hold anything against him and uh we got one of the best relationships we can have today how know? long would you say it took you guys to get to that point where uh you sit down and have those conversations and what and what kind of impact did this book have you know on your relationship with your father does oh so it didn't honestly. It didn't. It did not take me until I was in maybe 
my early 20s to finally get all that out of my system. But, well, not all of, not all of it, because it was still there. It was still there a little bit. But when I moved back to Carolina and, mm-hmm. you know, now we now we now we got no now we really got no excuse why we can't link up or things like right. that. So now we're in the same area again, and writing this book really helped me put that to rest in my past. So I really fully healed from that, and writing that was like therapy. I'm like you know yeah I'm gonna write about my dad and his impact. Like I said, I didn't really in the like I said in the book I didn't really feel as big of an impact when he went and did Fed time. As I did with my mom going to prison, just right. because I didn't have that connection with him right. when I was younger, you know, um, so I didn't really feel that big impact. But it didn't take me until pretty much my mid twenties to to get the stuff out of my system. And when I start writing on this book and really facing that past, and uh, now I'm totally good now. But I had I had to really face that. I had to really go through it, and I had to really release myself and forgive him at the same time if I want to have. A successful life that I say I'm going that I say I want to have. I got to be able to forgive people, even though it may hurt in the past or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. Do you, do you feel like everything that you talked about in this book and it, it was deep? Do you feel like you're at peace with your past now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I feel like I'm at total peace, um, even with the robberies. Um, I mean, it 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 is what it is type thing. You know. Right. It, I know I'm not proud of that guy I was, but I knew why I was doing it at that time. But at at the end of the day, I'm at peace with my past because I made a conscious effort to better myself. And my where I'm at today speaks for all of that. So that's why I'm at peace. Chapter four, uh, uh, I, I like I enjoyed chapter four upgrade, and you talking about like that uh, that that work cycle of you know get up. You yeah, go to yeah. work and then you, you get home, you get a snack and you watch TV, shower, go to sleep, and then you you start doing all that over and over and over again. Um, talk talk a little bit about that cycle for you and when did you know it was kind of for you? It was time to you know kind of you know break that cycle. So that cycle, uh, I was in that cycle for years. Um, I was in that cycle for years. Even when I started at BMW a few years ago, I was still in that cycle, but. It got to a point to where I wanted more out of life. I'm like, you know, I, I actually want to own my own business. I actually right. want to be an entrepreneur, build a business, invest some money and things like that. Knowing that, I had to I had to learn how to allocate my start allocating my time. And so when I was in college and I took a business management I had a business management course and I had to do a time study on myself on how I manage my time. And that really helped me open my eyes. I'm like, dang, all I really do is come home, play the game, go to sleep, get back up, do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's gotta, that got to stop somewhere. That got to break, especially if I want to get to the next level right. in life. Um, so I feel like that part, and it helped me back a long time, but that part is what holds a lot of people back. Because a lot of people, they say, well, I don't have time. The truth of the matter is, you got you time. time. You just you just gotta know how to allocate your time. You know, so you gotta know how to prioritize your time. Like, so that's why every week, every Sunday, I go over my time, my my schedule for the next week, um, and everything like that. You know, so I'm very now today. I calculate my time. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing at what time and this and that wet day. I'm very. I calculate my time. I gotta watch my time like a hawk because if you don't. Uh, that can get away from you. Mm-hmm. And time to me is way more valuable than money. I can lose a dollar today 
and I can make a dollar right back tomorrow. But right. I lose a second, I can't make that you second back. So I got to make that time count. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I went with went writing this book. It, it took me a few years to write it, but actually it should have been wrote shorter than that. However, I wasn't allocating the, the proper time to it. It was only until I start putting an hour a day in my schedule that I'm, I say, you know what, I'm going to put an hour a day in my schedule. I'm going to get this book done. That's my deadline. I set a deadline, then I work my way backwards. And then I just, I would, you know, so that's my, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I do now today, man. It's, so time is very, very uh, powerful and very, very value, valuable, you know. I just don't want to be in my 40s and 50s and 60s regretting on what I should have done in my 20s. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, exactly. yep. so why not go ahead and use this time right now in my 20s? Well, right now in my in my later 20s, now pushing 30s, to use the time wisely. I can, yeah, I can be out here like the like the average 28 year old clubbing every weekend, chasing after this female, that female, uh, this and that. You know what I'm saying? But in 20 years from now, when I'm 48. None of this stuff really gonna even matter. Ain't it gonna matter? And then they right. say no. I'm gonna look up, and I'm still gonna probably be at BMW working on BMW clock instead of my own clock, mm-hmm. and all because I pissed away 20 years when I should have been putting that right. work in. I should have been grinding. That's why I said when I was just reading. I was like, man, I feel like we got a lot in coming because some of the stuff that you were talking about, like I said, I was writing my book. I wrote, wrote about some of the same stuff, and I talk about this cycle of you know where I was working two jobs, just trying yeah. to pay student loans and. Man, I was working 13, 14 hours a day. And then it just hit me like, I got to get back up <laughs> right. at 4 o'clock in the morning to be at work at 5. Right. And do the same thing do all same over thing. again. So I'm like, man, I was like, this, this, something, this can't work. I can't, I can't do this for another 30, 40 plus years of my life, man. Just giving these companies the best years of my life. And it's just like, I think it, it's got to, like you said, when people say they don't have enough time, if, People, people make time for what they really want to. That's true. And when you're ready for your situation to change, you're going to do whatever to get out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I hated doing that, but it was one of the best things because now it, it woke me up to like, man, if I don't get it together and, you know, invest in myself and do the things I need to do, then I'm going to be doing the same thing that everybody else do. And there's nothing wrong with working a nine to five. Right, 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 like right, that. exactly. But, and then, but if you... But it's those people that hate what they're doing, but they get up and go do the same thing over and over and over again. But they they don't do nothing about it. Yeah. And it's just like you you and once you get to that point where you're ready to make those changes, then it, then you you gonna figure something out. But like you said, time is something that you you don't get back. And it's like man, I was at that point, man. I was like I, I had to do it. Like yeah. I had to make those changes because yeah, now, man, you gonna you gonna look back like man, I. All these years done passed, and I'm still right. doing the same thing. It's like, where's the growth? Like, right, you want right. to feel like you're growing or whatever. You don't want to look back and say, man, I'm still right. doing those same things, man. But, right. you know, to each his own, everybody has their own that's true. thing that's that true. they want to do. And that's the thing, too, man. It's, it's like it's like I hear – so I'm, I, I listen. I, I talk a lot. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a speaker, but I listen very closely, too. And, and, and when, I, when I'm talking to the older people, the older generation – it's like I listen at what they be saying, and most most of the time, majority of the time, in the older generation, most people, most of them are speaking back in regret. Man, I wish I would have done this in in, mm-hmm. in my twenties. And so when they put it, put me on game, hey young man, you in your twenties, take take care of your time right now, because if I if I could go back and wind the clock back, this is what I would do differently. Mm-hmm. So I take heed to that, and I'm like, you know what, I'm a, I'm gonna listen to them. 
And I, I'm going to take, I'm going to make the best of my time right now because if I don't, then I'm going to be like them and I'm mm-hmm. going to be looking back and regret. Right. You know, so I'm trying to have a different story. I want to be, I want, I want younger kids to come to me in the future and say, hey, Mr. Smith, how did you get to where you at now? And I want to be able to tell them this is what I was doing in my 20s and this is what I wasn't right. doing in my 20s, you know, in my 30s or whatever the case may be. And I still think you still have to have that balance of, you know, enjoy yourself. Right, right, time. right. But exactly. A lot of times people, exactly. they're our age, man. Yeah. Like, when I graduated uh, high school, man, I thought I was just free. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. just ready to live it up or have a ball in college. Like, I wasn't really paying attention to that stuff, man. Right. I was just like, the stuff that I seen, like, in movies, like, uh, I remember, what was that movie? Uh, Project X. Yeah. When the kids yeah. were in high school yeah. having the house yeah. parties. And then you watch how <laughs> kids go to college and... I thought that's what college was like. That's what right. it's supposed to be like. You're supposed to live that type of life in college. Not knowing, like, of course you want to go get your education. But at the same time, man, you want to have fun. And I'm thinking, man, like, when I get to college, it's going to be like this. We lit. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to turn up and yeah. have, a, have a ball, man. But it's like, man, you really got to, even when you go to college, man, invest that time wisely and know what mm-hmm. you're doing, man. It's not all about going, uh, remember what you're there for, yeah. mainly. Because, yeah. man, it's it just so much, man. And that's what I would tell kids, uh. Uh, and like you said, use your time wisely. Um, enjoy yourself, but at the same time, and you know, this time flies, man. I remember when I was graduating high school, and the guy was telling me, he's like, man, you you just don't know. You, you live in the best. These are the best of the years yeah. of your life yeah, right they, now. Yeah, that's- <laughs> and man, I I remember we used to be like, man, we're just ready to graduate high school, just get up right. out of here, man. Right. Now, honestly, I wish I could run back to high exactly. school. Now, exactly, exactly. So much you have to, to deal with nowadays, man. But it's. It just it's just crucial, man, for people to invest their time wisely and, and do the things that they need to do. But uh, something else you talk about in one of these chapters, chapter seven of uh, the guilty by association and putting yourself in these different environments to something else. I, 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 um, I love what you were talking about in there. Uh, I want you to elaborate on more on that as well about putting yourself in the right environments. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, going back on my environment growing up. I mean, it, it it sucked the life out of me. It wasn't no motivation, you know what I'm saying? I didn't I didn't see people coming by in nice cars or 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 just successful quote unquote looking people coming by and say, hey, you know, let me put y'all on game or something. Rather than I seen the drug dealers and the dope boys, and that's all I seen. So for me, that was what I thought success was supposed to be like. I mm-hmm. need to ride around with a Crown Vic with 24 inch rims. That's success right there in the hood, you know what I'm right. saying? And you know, but not to cut you off, but you remember growing up, man. Because I'm, I think we're the same. I'm 28. Okay, yeah, yeah, same. So you remember, yeah. uh, it was a time where people were, had a, the Crown Vegas with the 24s, and, and they used to have like the Eminem cars uh, yeah. and Reese Cup, <laughs> and it was just like a time where everybody was like, "We giving these companies this right. free promotion, right. man." We just That's exactly cars, what it was. That's like, exactly spray, what it was. Spray painting cars, all type of stuff. I was like, man, looking back on it now, I was like, man, that's crazy. That, how, that, that was so crazy, you know what I'm saying? And the thing about it though, we giving them free free promotion, free game and stuff, but we don't got any money of our of ourselves. Like we we repping the hood, we don't own, you know what exactly. I'm saying? Why not come back and buy the block on that real estate? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so when I start uh, changing up my environments, of course I got backlash, uh, you know, from my old neighborhoods. It's like oh. Now you, you know what I'm saying, you don't want to come around here anymore. Well, I mean, I I really can't because I move a little different now. You know what I'm saying? And if I do come around, you're going to think it's arrogant or I'm bragging and I'm not. You know what I'm saying? But you still stuck in the same spot 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. 
you know, we was running the street 10 years ago, dog. You still doing the same thing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I started switching my environment up. So, and then I started traveling more and, you know, seeing places like Miami. I just came back from Calabasas in L.A. a few months ago, you know, like two months ago. And it's like, you know, seeing these different places. And I put myself, strategically put myself in these million-dollar environments, as I right. call them. Um, so, like, for example, I'm down in Miami and it's like, you know, I net, I, I, I got linked in with a partner in Miami networking down there. And they invited me to a yacht party. I get on the yacht. I'm like, like, dang, like, you know, yeah. this, this, this is, this is really it's living. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like this different from what I seen growing up. So it's like, uh, down here and the conversation is just different. You know what I'm saying? Like the conversation is just different. So I'm talking to them and it's like, yeah, you know, this is what I did. This is how I got going my company. I'm like, cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I want to learn more, you know? So now I try to make a conscious effort of surrounding myself with like-minded individuals, you know, people that want to build something. If you're trying to build a podcast, you're trying to build real, whatever, let's link together, put our heads together exactly. and let's, let's, you know, run notes and piggyback off each other. You know, I got a lot of books. You need a book. I got you, dog. You know, right. stuff like that. You know, so I got books at the house for you to, I can pass along and vice versa. So, um, those are the kind of conversations I have today now. You know what I'm saying? Like with my boys I run with today and, uh, and the thing about it, I don't have many his, and here's the thing about, about my associations. Back then, I had a lot of friends. I never had a problem with having friends. I had, I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. And, uh, but today, I can't say that. Like, a lot of people still know me, but I can count on one hand how many I actually hang with. You right. know what I'm saying? Because your mindset is different. Because my mindset is just different. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, boys that I used to really run with, that I was like downright cool with, I had to break it off. Or we had to go separate way because it's like I'm moving this way, you moving that way. No harm, no harm, no foul. I mean, you do your thing, but I move a little different, and I want a little different. So in that chapter, that's why I put that chapter in there about getting by association because I think it's very important that we are aware of who we surround ourselves with and who we associate ourselves with. You know, I mean, if you associate yourself with bad company. Nine times out of ten, you're gonna, same. you know, follow suit. Yeah. And you, you know, you surround yourself with millionaires and billionaires. Nine times out of ten, you become a millionaire and a billionaire mm-hmm. because just the vibe just different. And kind of like that line you said with Jay Z was like when, when people told him he he changed or whatever. Like, yeah, supposed to change. Yeah, I'm supposed to change. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not supposed to stay the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't put out his work in to stay the same. I mean, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, Jerry, you change, or how they say about Jay, oh, you change. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I ain't going to tell you. I ain't going to tell you a lie. I did. But I, right. I, I had to to be who I am today and to get where I'm going. Right. I can't be the same dreadhead Jared running the streets and talking about I want to build a multi-million dollar business. That's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? I can't be out here still taking chances or uh, taking prison chances and stuff like that. And and I said I want to build this or build that. Or I can't be out here taking chances, but I'm not in my in my in my daughter's life, you know. Right. So it's like I had to change. So yeah, I, don't, I mean that's my rebuttal to that, you know. When and and that that's another. I used to get that statement a lot too. Like man, Jerry, you don't you don't switch up. You don't change, man. You don't you're not the same, Jerry. You right? I'm not the same, Jerry. Exactly. I mean, I'm not gonna be the same. And matter of fact, find me five years from now, I'm gonna be different again. Exactly. <laughs> and, and just to kind of piggyback off of that. Your, your environment and changing your environment. One of the things, you know, like I said, we, we, when we're doing this, the Cross the Line podcast, to one of the things that stuck to me, I, I um, pay attention to this entrepreneur named Ed Milet, Ed Milet, 
And I remember he was saying, you know, he would, what he would do is, you know, try to take these getaways and, you know, if you can't afford it, just try it maybe like every once in a while. Just put some money to the side and just do mm-hmm. a getaway and go to the beach or something and just get a taste and of what their life is like. Just to get a taste of what taste. their life is like. So when you when, once you feel that, get that feeling for it, then you want to try to do it more. And one of the things for me, you know, for me, I'm always driven. I, want, I always want the most out of life, the best things in mm-hmm. life. But it was like this the podcast wanted to to, you know, go to these different places. And man, when we went to Jacksonville, that was my first time ever getting on a plane, ever being in Jacksonville. It was my second time being in Florida, my first time being oh, okay. in Jacksonville. But I was just like, man, that that one night we were waiting on our food and we were just sitting out there in the back by the pool. And I was just sitting there, man. I was like, man, like, this is a blessing to be able to create your own right. opportunity. <laughs> And then you just sit there and just like get that feeling of what life is really like when you really take that chance and invest in yourself. So it's just getting that taste of like what it's like. It's like, it's no way for me, um, like I said, it's nothing wrong with nine to five, but just getting that feeling, I was like, yeah. man, how do how do I get this feeling all the time whenever I want to? Exactly. You know, on my exactly, time instead of, bro. you know, having to ask somebody. Exactly. And, you know, just getting that taste of what that feels like, man, it was just one of the best things. Like I and said, that's we, exactly why I'm we, at with that, bro. I mean. It, just exactly. getting that taste. Like I said, I, the first time I stepped, I, I touched down in Miami, I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. This, then I had to go yeah. back. I went back to Miami. I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, down there, lit up a big old cigar, you know what I'm saying, some boss vibes. But right. it just, I got that taste. Now, with that taste, I came back with way more motivation. That motivated me, you know what I'm right. saying? Just just came back from L.A., uh, Calabasas. And it's like, when I got over there and I seen them hills and I see, I'm like, so this is what Kobe lived at. And this right. way, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and people really can live like this. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm over there in Beverly Hills, and I'm, I'm at breakfast one morning. Guy behind me, he talking to another guy. And this is what I mean by the conversations are different. The guy behind me talking to another guy, he was like, um, yeah, you know, I make about $10,000 a day. I'm over here like, mm. huh? A, d- a mm. day? Right. But then the kind of, co- I mean, he just said it casually, casually nonchalant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because money, no money. Like, he talking to somebody else who also got money. So, mm-hmm. it's like the conversation is just different. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it's like, but once I got that taste of L.A. and got that taste of Calabasas, I'm like, yeah, this, mm-hmm. I mean, I can get used to this. You know what I'm saying? I got a taste of seeing private jets. Like, right now, one of my things that I, one of my loan times that I do I go to the to the local airport here, the private jet airport, and I just watch the jets fly in and out because one day I wanna probably possibly own my own jet. Right. So then I got to the point, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna actually go get on the jet. So I went out there, I met a guy, I know a guy now at the, at the airport. He was like, Yeah, come on, you wanna go hop on the jet? I took me and my siblings, got on the jet. You know what I'm saying? So so it was just like it was just that, that taste. taste. Just mm-hmm. so I take those little small tastes of when I travel, and that's why I do that's one reason why I do travel. Is just I come back with so much motivation. I'm like, yeah, when I get back to BMW, it's boom. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. Right. And because I get those tastes, of, and because I had that taste, my attitude is always positive and upbeat because I know what I'm working toward. That's why when I go to BMW, when I go to work every day, unlike a lot of people at work, they 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 there they complaining mm-hmm. about their current situation. Then they ask me, Jerry, how you always smiling? How you always happy? Because this ain't my last it's destination. A stone, <laughs> it's man. a stepping stone. Like right. I'm using BMW like they using me. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like that's just what it is. BMW funding my business. BMW they 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 BMW don't know that they are setting up a multi-million over here. <laughs> right. And uh, like I said, it's just man those things. Getting that taste, that experience, just to you know be able to do those things. Cause it's like for me, I don't. I hate that feeling. You know, like 
you on vacation, having a good time, and then deep down you go, man, I gotta go back to work <laughs> right. in a few days. Like I, I don't, want, I don't want to have that feeling all the time. Man. Right. So that's why I, I had I to push myself. And and talking about you know that environment, one of the things I remember Ed Mallet said also was you know, even if just say you go get a job somewhere and like you see like you hear those guys talking about ten thousand dollars a day, like even if you don't even know like how to make that kind of money. Just being around and hearing those conversations, you might not know how to do it at that point, but just being around those people, you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. Like yeah, Just yeah. getting in that room is a way for you to go, okay, I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm just going to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just get in the room, and then you're going to learn as you go. And one of the things for me, what I would do is, it's hard, like, I always say, like, if when I'm, sometimes I'm at work, one of the worst things you do is getting comfortable. Is like, you go to work, you say, man, I hate this job. Yeah. I want to go home and do some applications. And do something just so I can get leave right. this place. What I would tell people to do, just like one my little bit of advice, um, something something I did for myself was instead of going home and trying to do those things, what I would do is for me to push myself, something simple that anybody could do, I would go to a library or I would go to Barnes and Noble and I would just sit there and you know, everybody in there, they're reading or, yeah. or writing or yeah, typing you, something. You so put your just something simple that anybody could do. Mm-hmm. Go in one of those environments, and that's what I did when I was writing my book. Also, sometimes I would get home when I would get a little bit sleepy or something. I like, man, I'm gonna write something later on. And my book, it took me like about two years, and it's still going through the process, getting it published, and now doing the editing process. Right, but right. just just going through that is like what I would do: just go to Barnes and Noble, go to the library, and when you're sitting around and all those people are doing something productive, it's gonna make you be like, man. I can't just be sitting here just on my phone or just sitting right, here doing nothing. Right. <laughs> I want to be productive too. So that's something that I would tell people to do, just something creative, just a way to just kind of push yourself. When you get in those type of environments, just something as simple as that will make you want to push yourself. To and do that's true, bro. Something. I mean, that's true. I mean, I do it, still do it. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. Like, that's why I barely wrote my book at home. Because at home, I can, like I said, you, I'm, you're in your comfort zone. I'm in my comfort zone. Let me go to Starbucks or somewhere and type on my book mm-hmm. and just listen to other conversations around. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, definitely, man. Envi- environment is everything, man. It's, it definitely is. Something else you talked about in the book also, you said broke people spend money before they get it and the wealthy spend spend it after they get it. That was in Chapter 6. Talk, talk a little bit about that also. Yeah. So, broke people spend money before they get it and the wealthy, they spend money after they get it. That... That right there is one of the, so that's my financial chapter. And that chapter is kind of uh, a preview of my next book. My next book is a finance book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mainly talking about that, you know what I'm saying? Because broke people spend, spend money before they get it. That means that most time, before people even get their checks, they already counting what they're going to spend their money. Yep. You know what I'm saying? They, oh man, you know them J's drop Saturday. or just, just So you already pre-calculating what you're going to spend your money on but you have no set budget and or 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 you don't have a direction where your finances are going uh so for that reason you spend a lot of money and a lot of money you don't realize you spend it you know uh like right now a lot of people don't realize all it takes is 27 dollars a day for a whole year to blow ten thousand dollars in whatever and just stuff that don't even matter to you. Mm-hmm. You spend twenty-seven dollars a day. I don't know. You go buy a pack of cigarettes, twenty-seven dollars a day. I don't know. Uh, whatever, whatever it may be. But you spend twenty-seven dollars a day on something that's non-productive. That's ten thousand dollars a year when you add that, add that math up. 
That's money's going to waste. That's money going to waste. So now that's ten thousand dollars. You say, well, I ain't got money to start a business. Well, you do, but you just gotta like your time. You gotta allocate your money too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you could have ten thousand dollars saved up to go start a business or go buy that house. You know, you want to go buy a house. It, it's nothing to say ten bands, but you gotta. It's discipline. And you gotta force yourself. To, so the wealthy, they spend money after they get it, which means that the wealthy. One thing, because that's another thing I do. I studied the wealthy. Once again, been around these environment. I've been fortunate enough to be around millionaires in Miami and know people right now that are multi mean that, that are doing well for themselves, mm-hmm. you know. And uh and I'm not there yet, but I, I pick up so much gain from them. So one thing I noticed when I study these people, even people like Jay Z and stuff, is that is that they don't count their money before they or 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 before they go um they don't pre spend their money. Mm-hmm. So they they wait till they get a bag, they get a bag, and uh, they pay themselves first. First and foremost, they pay themselves first out they bag, and uh, they invest in their money. You know what I'm saying? They invest in their money, and so after they get their bag, after they are after they have built their wealth up to a pretty su- substantial level, now you see them out there on the on the trips, on the yachts, right. on the stuff like that. But they can do that. Why? Because he got an asset that's paying for that vacation. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, he can go fly to L.A. when he feel like it and, and blow it. He can go blow 10 bands in L.A. and not be hurt by it because he got a benefit. He, making, he done made the 10 bands back the next day. You know? Easily. So, right, easy. So, they, they spend money after they, get, after they get the bag, which means they focus first on their grind. They get the bag up. They build the wealth up. And then when they get to an area to where they comfortable, to each his own too. I mean, everybody got their own comfort level. Some people may be comfortable with a hundred thousand. Some people may mm-hmm. be comfortable with five hundred thousand. You know, but once they get to a level where they're comfortable, then they play a little bit. So therefore, they work. They work first, then they play later. You know what I'm saying? So they they spend the money after they get the bag. But broke people though, they spend it before they get it, oh, yeah. and that's why they continually to be broke. And the thing about it, when you say broke, it's like. Uh, it starts right here with the mind. Mindset, yeah. It's a mindset. That's all it is. I mean, because financially, everybody got the ability to be multi-millionaires. Everybody. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reason why I write my next book, to show people how easy it is to be multi-millionaires. If I would have known what I know now, back when I was like 19, 20, I'd be a millionaire right now. <laughs> so, and the thing about it, and I'm saying that because I'm well on my way right now. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm talking within like the next few years, I'm going to cross that million dollar mark. You know, and, uh, but yeah, man, so, you know, that just some simple lesson that I learned from the wealthy man that just, you know, they spend the money after they get the bag rather than, you know, continually to be broke and going around in that cycle. Absolutely. As we progress through this interview, I also want to say that this episode Across the Line Podcast is also sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to stop by and feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, and Friday from Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love for you to visit. So thank you, Miss Charlene, for also being a sponsor of this episode of the Cross the Line podcast. Now, Jared, chapter 8, uh, talk about the 80-20 rule with marriage. is 80%, 80% <laughs> yeah. business 
and twenty twenty percent love. Uh, I know I know some people look at that like yeah, like they have a, take issue with that. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm not married at all, but I, I want to know. I want you to talk a little bit about that eighty twenty rule. So that so <clears throat> when it comes to marriage and come to relationships, um, most people think of the eighty twenty rule. Just you know, I gotta you know let you win eighty percent of the time. Sometimes, sometimes depending on the argument or whatever. But really though. For me and mine, the relationship, the marriage is 80% business and 20% love. The reason why I say, the reason why we, we go by that and the reason why I say that is because so many people don't realize that you are with somebody. If you're with somebody strictly off of love, and, and, and see, love, love is an emotion that mm-hmm. a lot of times you can't control. Now, I never said that. You know, relationship don't have love at all. It do. You got to have love, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to be able to love that person if you, you know, really want to be with them. But what I'm saying is a lot of people find themselves being in stagnant relationships that should have been ended or find themselves in domestic violence situations that should have been walked away from because of the one word, love. They say, well, but I love him, but I love her. Right. I can't leave her. Yeah, you love her, but she obviously not bringing that. She not adding no value to you. Or mm-hmm. yeah, you love him, and he not adding no value to you. So you gotta make it make sense. You gotta make it make logical sense. So the business part of it comes in to play where you gotta when you meet this person or when you with this person. Okay, it's, you know you're gonna fall in love with them. That's cool. But you gotta make sure this person also aligning with your goals, your values. Um, y'all share the same things mentally and things like that. Like that's you know y'all y'all making critical decisions together. You know y'all y'all moving in the same direction. That's where the business part comes in. That you can love somebody all day long, but that don't mean that they good for you. That don't right. that don't necessarily mean that 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 person is the partner for you. You know it just it just it just like you know uh, business relationships. Like you know you could be my boy all day long, but that don't mean that. We we good to go in the business together, right. you know what I'm saying? But we boys though. Don't get me wrong, we boys. Yeah, you mm-hmm. my boy all day long. But you know, I may move a different way. You may move a different way, and that's fine. We boys, we'll we'll link up, have a cigar together, and have a drink or whatever. But uh, that don't mean that we got to be business partners. Right. But I think a Absolutely. lot of time people force themselves, uh, or, or they force relationships with people strictly off of love or off of what well, I like him, I like her, or this and that. And you're not realizing that that love alone could be blinding you to somebody who is no good for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you find yourself in a stagnation. Like you have a lot of like I I oftentimes look at, um, you know, certain couples like within my family that I don't look. I'm like, okay, you love each other, but what exactly have y'all accomplished together? You know, mm-hmm. what what? How much do you have to show for it? You know what I'm saying? For your relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, each relationship is different. You know, right. I mean, you can't tell nobody how, how to operate their relationship. But what I'm saying is, is it just, it just comes out to the point of if, if we're not on a, the same business pedigree, the same business page together, then it's like, yeah, I can love you, but you may not be the one, or I may not be the one for you. Right. You know, and that's just what that comes to. But that ra- that typically raises a lot of eyebrows. Yeah. It does. It does. That that typically uh, raises a lot of eyebrows. Um, and then I'll be having to explain that in person a lot of time when people ask me about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel what you're saying. I hear what you're saying and everything like that. So 
I kind of had to go into it a little bit. Because yeah, some people might be like, well, so you so you mean to tell me that you value money more than you love this right, person? Right, right, right. And stuff like that. But sometimes, you know, some people put up with bad relationships because they significant other has some deep pockets. Right, 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 right. They right. make people settle right, for right. crazy reasons. So right. you, you never know. It was just something I was like, man, you know what? Right. That's something I, I found interesting in the book. That's why I tell people, please make sure you go get the book. It's a, it's a great read. Um, but there was something I found that was interesting, like because it was like almost like a a, a business transaction. I mean, to a certain sense. Well, see, also too though, also too, marriage is a business transaction. Mm-hmm. What people so when you sign that marriage certificate, when you sign that contract, it, I mean, it, it's a contract. That's what it is. Like a lot of people don't know certain states. I don't know about all states, so I don't I don't want to say all states, but certain states. Uh, the state government won't even grant you a divorce if you owe back taxes. That's where the business come in at. That, that, that's where the business play comes in. So I can be beating on this woman. She could be in a, a domestic violence and she could want a divorce, but they won't grant her divorce if we owe back taxes. Mm. So I'm saying? So, so, is, yeah. so, I mean, so when you sign that marriage certificate and a lot of times, you know, no, it's not just a paper. You know what I'm saying? I know people, some people like say, well, that's just a paper. Yeah, but when you sign that paper, though, that paper now binds y'all into a contract. So everything is together. Now. Everything yeah. is together, yeah. and y'all, y'all are in a contract now. It's just like a business partnership. If you and I go into business together and we sign a, a contract, we are binded by that contract. The only way you get out the contract, you buy yourself out that business. Mm-hmm. You, you buy yourself out, out, out the company. Translate that to marriage. What a divorce is. You bind yourself out the contract. Mm-hmm. That that's where the business part. That's where the, that's where the more technical business parts comes in. There, the way you get lawyers and put up money and stuff like that. Same thing with a business transaction with a, a, a mm-hmm. business partnership. You know, so you buy yourself out the contract. So when people get a divorce, who they get half. Yeah, yeah, right. Ooh. So 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 all they, all, all, all you doing, all you doing, if if I'm divorcing her, all I'm saying is, okay, yeah, she gonna get in half, but I'm buying myself out of this contract. Which right. means I don't want to be bonded to you that, anymore by law. Now that's that's the part. Sometimes I think about which man. I I, I I was like I pray I never have to get divorced or go through anything like that. Which is where that's why I see with business. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. let's just say you come in with all this money, mm-hmm. millions mm-hmm. in the bank, and she might only have a few thousand or something. Right. But then that divorce comes in. I know sometimes it has to be a certain amount of time. You have to be married, but. She comes in and it's half. She can get or, half, yeah. and, and it can be vice versa. Right, versa. She right, might right, have right. everything, and he right. might come in with just right. a book bag and a right. laptop. Right, and then and then they say no. He say I want a divorce, and he leaving with half. Changed his whole life just yeah. like that. So I can see yeah. kind of like how you can say like just talking about this now. Kind of is like more clarity. Okay, like I can see how people would think it's more like a business. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my idea with that, I just want people to think about relationships and marriages on a deeper realm for what it appears to be. Like mm-hmm. I say, you know, I ask, I, I, ask, I ask a lot of people, what is a marriage? And a lot of people say, well, you know, marriage, you know, you go sign a paper, a phone ring. Oh. Um, uh, a lot of people like, you know, uh, um, uh, yeah, you go sign a paper, um, whatever you get married. I'm like, yeah, but it's more to it than just that. You right. know what I'm saying? It, it's more to it than just signing a paper. So when I ask people, what is a marriage? I typically ask them from a standpoint of, of, okay, you got, 
you got, for example, for example, you got a man and a woman. Neither of them are together, right? But legally, they are married. Mm-hmm. But they separated. You got a lot of situations like this right now. Right. You got a lot of situations like this right now. Oh, yeah, my bad about the phone. They know it's going to rain. But, oh, no problem. But, um, so, so you have a lot of situations like this right now where you got people that are separated but not legally divorced, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where the legal part, the legal businesses come, come in at. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, would you consider them married? And some people would say, yeah. But me, I say no. I'm like, legally, yes, they legally may be married. married. But spiritually, not. Nah. You know what I'm saying? But 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 like I say, you know, that that goes into a whole deeper right, right. conversation for a whole, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I may have to put a whole other book just for that, right. just for that topic. But yeah, I mean, you know, so for me, you know, I, I look at it, you know, like I say, family is business, family is law. And who you deal with, when you meet a woman or when a woman meet a man, you got to make sure that you got to look beyond the looks. You got to look beyond, you know, yeah, the personality is one thing. The looks is one thing. Obviously, you don't want to wake up to somebody who's unattractive. Right. But. Make sure somebody you want to be with. Right. But 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 it got to be somebody that's headed in the same direction. And if y'all not working towards the same direction, uh, chances is it probably not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's they, just, they just how that goes. You know? So, personally, I, I would rather just get out the mud. I, I would rather be with her who got it out the mud with me. And we and we get and, and we got it together, right? And we good, you know what I'm saying? And we hit and we got our goals aligned together, our our dreams, and we working towards everything together, you know what I'm saying? Um, rather than you know just meet somebody and I'm loaded or and, and she's not or vice versa, and like I say, you know because when people sign, when them celebrities when they sign when when they put prenups in place that that's There's that's a, a, a business transaction to protect themselves mm-hmm. like, yeah i got to protect my wealth like when, you know when you work so hard for right. something and right. then if they weren't there on your journey right right and then right. you come in and just automatically get, get half um it's like yeah you, you don't plan on splitting up with this person you like you want to be with them for the rest of your life but man if you see Oh well, my bad, my bad. But I was like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Well, I, I about to say like, like on that, on that note right there. Also, we have to face reality. Like I say, you know, obviously, you don't go into a relationship or a marriage looking to divorce, right? But however, life happens. But with that being said, you gotta kind of pre-think about these things as a possibility that it could happen. So if you meet somebody. And let's say y'all do split ways. Y'all do have to, have to get a divorce. You know, you got to understand how much of an impact that going to make on you and her mm-hmm. or him and her, you know, whatever like that. So that's why when it comes to relationships, it's very, very critical. Two, two of the biggest decisions you're going to make in life is who you have kids with and who you marry. Uh, Those yeah. two decisions right there, they can either make you or break you. Because yeah. I see a lot of dudes go through it right now. They got different baby mamas all over the place. Personally, I got one. I don't got to worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't gotta worry about child support or things like that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, and so so like I say, but that because I was very critical and, right. and I was very selective on, on, on who I picked as my partner. I'm like and, and I had to make it make sense. Absolutely. I wanna got a few more questions and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. Stick kinda sticking to like sticking to money and finances. Seventy percent of wealthy families lose wealth by second generation, ninety percent lose about a third. 
what is your plan to make sure that when, when you have this wealth accumulated that it doesn't go to waste in your family? So in my so right now, what I'm currently doing, like I said, I got two daughters. So uh, maybe one day I, I get a son. But regardless of my kids, my, my biggest thing right now is put putting them on game early, teaching them mm-hmm. the game early, teaching them the importance of why I built this wealth, how I built this wealth. And the importance of it not going to waste or we're not throwing it away. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to force college on my girls. I'm not going to force business on my girls. They're going to make, they're going to grow up and be their own person. They're going to make their own decisions. However, though, I'm setting them up now to where they start off ahead, financially ahead in the game. And so because of that, they're going to have a little bit more of an advantage than probably some of their peers around because mm-hmm. I'm teaching them a certain game. So it's very with me knowing those stats is very critical that I plan ahead by putting things in place right now. Um whether that may be setting up, you know, trust funds accounts or whatever the case may be. So planning ahead now, putting things in place so when it's time to pass that baton, pass that torch along you know, they know what to do with it. Or even right now, like, even right now, I had a conversations with, um, I had a conversation with my lady and stuff, with my wife and stuff, it went about, about them. If something happened to me right now, hey, this the plan, you know. Right. This the plan. I got a million dollar coverage on me right now, life insurance. So, mm-hmm. this million dollars, this is what you take and do with it. If something happened to me right now, I'm covered with a million dollars. You take a million dollars and you're going to take this, you're going you're gonna to take this portion that take care of the home, pay the house off, whatever, buy the house, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Take this portion, you you investing in or whatever the case, you know, whatever the case may be. But the biggest importance is education. And I got to make sure that my kids are very well equipped with financial literacy. And that's why I continue to educate myself on financial literacy to this day. You know, how, how do you feel like you talk about your daughter, making sure they have everything set for them and your wife? Like, how do you feel fatherhood has changed you? Fatherhood changed big time. Uh, it really gave me another sense of urgency, gave me another sense of motivation. Because it's like coming home. I don't know if you got kids or not, but coming yeah, home. Three. You got three? Yeah, okay. Yep. So so, so it's just like, you know, just being able to, to just see your kids love you unconditionally and, right. just, and just smile. And it's like, man, I got to keep it going. So for me... It's like I was already kind of turning that clock to getting motivated, taking care of my time management, like I said earlier. But when I had my first daughter, it, I was really on it. I said, like, yeah, I really ain't got time to, time, because time going to slip away right. if I don't get on it now. And that's ain't no. She 18, and she 20, or she she 30, whatever the case may be. So with that being said, man, it's, it's it changed me big time, and it really opened my mind up, and it really helped me really – Double down on my grind. Uh-huh. Double down every day on my grind. I got to ask you this. I saw it in the book. This chapter was kind of, when we wrote this in the book, it's kind of like one of the chapters in my book. And, you know, it's kind of referring to Nipsey. Um, yeah, I always boy. watch his interviews, listen to his music, and just the words that he puts in it, man. It's always powerful. And, and every, everything, man, it's just so important to the culture. But for you, what did... Nipsey mean to you and what impact did he have on you? Nipsey meant a lot, man. Um, I started following Nipsey well before his death, you know, so I was already, 
I was more of a business fan of Nipsey than I was musically. Mm-hmm. Um, I did listen to his music, and I still do. Uh, but I, I, I started really tuning in on him when I started noticing, noticing his business moves he was making. Um, and so when I seen the way he was moving, how he came back and bought his old block, his old. Right. And I, when I went to L.A., I had to go see it. I went over there, I seen it. I met Codeine Cowboy, his right-hand man. Uh, shook hands with him, chopped, chopped it up with him and everything. Um, I actually gave him one of my books. So, you know, it was just, because I told him, I said, hey, I, t- I talked about Nipsey in the book, man. I, I got to give you a book. I got to, you know, whatever the case may be. But the point is, man, it's, it's like Nipsey impacted not only uh, the whole culture, but just me as an individual for what I learned from him from a business standpoint, his investment moves. He got with Jay, and I'm a big fan of Jay, and Jay mm-hmm. really start putting him on moves. Like, so it's like uh, Jay rock with Dipsy hard too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he rock with him real hard, man. So, uh, and like that's another reason why I look up to Jay the way I do because Jay come back to the young to the young guys like us. He giving back game, man. He mm-hmm. like, look, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you how to move neighborhood nip and and everything like that. You know, uh, so yeah, man. So just seeing what Nipsey was doing and the legacy he was building for his kids. And even in the short time, even in the short time, he built up a, a powerful legacy for his mm-hmm. kids. I mean, his kids are, are good. You know, his kids are straight. And after meeting Cowboy and and um and seeing his seeing his fam over there in L.A., they still making sure his legacy is continuing to go. And his legacy is more than music. A lot of people just look at him as just an artist, just a hip hop artist, like. He way more than that, especially to our culture, man. So yeah, he was important to the like culture, he was man. very yeah, very 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 important, man. The stuff that he was doing in the streets, the stuff that he was changing for the communities, uh, even with even even with the way gangs started to operate, you know, him and YG, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, started started linking up on they stuff. Were, and, they were planning on doing something together too. I remember seeing him say in the interview, him and YG. Yeah, 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 him and yeah, made some business yeah. moves, man. But the marathon was just like the perfect name. Exactly, for the whole thing, man. Exactly. That still lives on today. Man, that, the, the marathon continues. That 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 marathon slogan is 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 one of the uh, biggest things that that stuck with me today. Matter of fact, I got a pen made. <laughs> marathon continue. So I, I carry this pen with me every day, man. I got a man that make pen, so I carry the pen with me every day. I just look at it and keep me motivated on the grind. I'm like, yeah, the marathon continue. Yeah. I'm gonna make sure I'll do my part. And making sure your legacy, his legacy, still carry out in our in our culture. So, no, I'm not a rapper, but I'm an author. And so my 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 lane is writing books. Right. My lane is speaking. And if I can impact people on the level like Nipsey did, that's that's my goal, man, and that's what I want to do. Man, just talk it's about just, it, man. It still bothers me, man. I like I always say, my my three favorite artists. I tell anybody, Jeezy, Fab, and Ross. Those are my three all-time favorite artists. But Nipsey had a greater impact on me than those three because of like how he, like you said, the things that he was doing. And not to say that those guys don't either, but they're they doing some great things for yeah, their community. Yeah, true. But, that's true. But the way Nipsey, the way he went about it, how he hustled and and worked, his, grinded for everything, you know, putting his people on and, and investing in his community, and it just felt so genuine. And then you listen to his interviews and the words that, the things that he talked about, man. It just, I was like, man, it just, 
it, it's sad, man. To yeah. me, I was like, honestly, I was like, man. Yeah, I was. It was like, I was one, nothing the same after Nipsey left, man. Like, it just seemed like things just snowballed and we just. Yeah. It was like, like especially this year. This yeah, year was just, yeah. just yeah. a lot of terrible things happened, man. But it was like, when Nipsey was gone, man, it still felt like this, like a black cloud all over hip hop. It just wasn't the same. Um, yeah. I was like, man, it just, I to me, I still feel like, man. He wasn't celebrated like he should have been while he was here. I feel like he right, right, a right, more right, credit right. for the things that he was doing. That he was doing while he was here. Like I said, but a lot of people didn't pay attention. Didn't like pay attention I, I, A lot of people didn't see the business moves he was making. They didn't see him in the, in, the, in the community with the youth going back, giving game to the young homies, getting them out of the situation. They, didn't, they, didn't, they wasn't paying attention to what him and YG was doing, mm-hmm. even though they in separate games or whatever the case may be. But they didn't see those things that, that they were trying to do or that they was doing, the progress that he was making. And so he was really on the move, man. Like mm-hmm. He was on the big move, man. So. It'll never be another Nipsey. Nah, it won't, my, it won't man. Opinion. It won't, man. I mean, man. We, we, we definitely celebrate Jay like we should. Um, uh, Master P. Diddy. Right, right. Um, but I, I man, Nipsey was just I don't know, it was just like he felt it just seemed like he was more relatable to the people, like mm-hmm. more people felt like they could be like a a Nipsey. Not saying they don't feel like they could be like a J. Right, or right, Diddy, right, but, right. But they can relate to Nip more. Yeah. Nip was right there in the hood. In the like, hood. And, and that Nip's probably Part of the problem was, like, I, I guess he was too accessible right, to too, people. Right, right, and I feel right. Like, of course, you want to be like, you want to be able to reach out to your people. But at a certain point, when you reach a certain status, you yeah. You I mean, unfortunately, you just you unfortunately, and it's sad that it had to be that way. But unfortunately, it's it's like you can't really you know lounge around your old hood like you want to because stuff like because stuff like that because you always yeah. got that one lurking somewhere no matter how much good you're trying to do you you got that one that they're gonna try to get you knocked off only because he hating on you or he see no what you're reason. doing and he don't want to see yeah for no reason though you know and i'm like nip did a lot of good when you go over there if you ever get a chance to go, go to la like you ever go over there go to go to slauson avenue and he's man, he's so well respected in the neighborhood. It's crazy, man. And like, you can see, like after he passed, like how all the gangs, like they came. They came, like, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that should tell you how much he meant to the community. When you see somebody, well, these gangs just had a history of bad blood. Yeah, and right. Something like that, where Nipsey can, one person can bring everybody together. And he did that. Even Obama wrote something for him, um, and they um. Yeah, I think I've seen that, yeah. It was just like, man, somebody like that. That lets you know how special of a person he was, man. But, man, that's why I said I I had to ask that because, like I said, it's something in my book is kind of similar to to that as well. So, man, like, rest in peace, Nipsey, man. I I still miss Nipsey, man. Definitely. Yeah, that's one of the – that's from a celebrity. Um, him, Him and Kobe. It's like it felt like a family member. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Him, both, him and Kobe right. were the two that they still bother bother right. me, man, the, the most was just from like a public figure standpoint. Exactly, exactly. Um, and think about, it, I don't even get that crazy over celebrities, man. Me either. I like, don't even get. I mean, I don't. I, like you don't want to see them pass. Like right, sad, right, right. But it's like, but, man, those two to me was like, right, man. right. I mean, it was like touch. I'm like, dang, right. like this crazy. Like that really brought brought me here. I'm like, dang. Exactly. Because <laughs> like, like people. A lot of people did the same thing with like a like Michael Jackson or Prince, and not not saying not comparing Nipsey to them, but like for me that that's how I look. That like man, with Kobe and Nip gone, man, mm-hmm. those were the two that they really hurt me from yeah. a, a public figure standpoint. Definitely, bro. One, Definitely. one of uh, my, my uh, final question: um, 
that we've been asking people on the self-investment tool, but uh, we want to ask you as well, what does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment. What does self-investment mean to me? Um, self-investment for me is just continuing, just continuing to um, educate myself, man. Knowledge is first. More than anything else. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the accolades, the coin success. Knowledge is power. So self-investment for me is to keep investing myself into books. Keep reading books. Keep uh, talking to people who are smarter than me. Uh, you know, and just and just investing in myself that way. Uh, the money going to come. You know what I'm saying? It's not the, it's, it's not the money that I, I would ever have to be worried about. I can always invest money. I, I, I know where to invest my money at make money. But mm-hmm. for self-investment, it's to, it's to continue to, to improve myself every day as a father, uh, whether that be as a husband, whether that be as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, as a friend, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a homie, you know, as a big brother to my siblings, as a son to my mama, just continually to improve myself in these different roles in my life. Um, so that's what self-investment means for me. Jared, man, I want to say I appreciate you, man. This was a great interview, man. I I enjoyed the conversation, man. Appreciate it, um, appreciate it. Like I said, I'm finally glad we had a chance to sit down and talk, man. Uh, people might not believe it. This is our, actually our first time meeting in person. It man. is, man. Yeah, it is. It you is. You know, it's crazy. Like when you were saying something earlier about like you went to Jonesville, like I, for some, I was like, we the same age. I'm like, I don't even remember. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't go there. I, I went to kindergarten and first grade. Yeah, yeah. And, and then after that, I, I was in Georgia. Yeah, it's crazy. yeah. I had Miss Little John. That's my kindergarten teacher. Oh, I had Miss uh, Miss Bailey. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had Miss yeah, Miss Little John taught my. She taught my dad and my mom. She taught a lot of people. I think my, so I think my brother had Miss Little John. Yeah. I think my cousin he might have had Miss Little yeah, John. Yeah, so also. I, I went there. I went there a short period of time. And what's crazy is, man, it's like that's why I had to ask you earlier. Like I didn't know we was like family or not because down back in the area back at home it's like uh cause that's my home turf that's where I born at so but I still have though I still run into people right now today that tell me that we fam and I don't even know that we fam you know what I'm saying so they're yeah. like yeah man yeah you my cousin man and they then they explained it to me how we cousin I'm like okay cause I was in Georgia I like I grew up in Georgia like that's where all my memories is at that's where everything right. is at you know granted I came here in the summertime but you know I grew up that's where all my memories at in Georgia and stuff like that right. so uh, yeah, man, but it's our first time meeting in person, but it kind of felt like, you know how you meet certain people and it feel like you, you been on them? Right. Like, that's yeah, how exactly. it felt. Like, yeah. it's like, it's it like, like, it's like, like you know what I'm saying? But I, but I, I watch, I don't, I don't pay attention to a lot of people on social media because a lot of times, I hate to say it, a lot of people don't really, they don't really talk about just a bunch of nothing yeah, on yeah, social media. Yeah. But I, I watch you, um. I, I pay attention to Marcus. I got to get Marcus on. Yeah, that's my big cuz. That's my big cuz yeah, right there. Big cuz Marcus, I like man. how he, like, yeah. inspirational and motivational for people, man. Um, but, you know, a lot of times, some people going to take stuff the wrong way. But I, I watch y'all, man. I respect the grind, man. Yeah. Keep it up. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you on social media? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They can find me on Instagram at jandersinspires. Um, my Facebook is Jared J. Anders Smith. Um, let me see. My Snapchat, Rock Cooley. Snapchat won't let me change my name. So, mm. but um, R O C K C. I'm not on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. R O C K C O O L E Y. And uh, finally, my website is jandersinspires.com. So that's where they can go to my website. They can get linked in with all my merchandise, upcoming book releases. 
Um, and just again, linking in one of my other social media platforms that I'm on through my website, uh, jandersinspires.com, J-A-N-D-E-R-S-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S.com. And uh, right now, man, I'm, I'm currently I'm currently planning um, a big business conference for next year in 2021. Trying to have it right here in Greenville. I'm trying to bring out um, bring out entrepreneurs from around the upstate, um, mostly. You know, what I'm saying right here in our home turf. You know, what I'm saying because it's time to really put the home turf really on. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. and just networking. So I got a big business conference I'm planning. And uh, so definitely, man, I, I definitely will be back in contact with you, man, because I definitely would like to come back on the show. But uh, be back in contact with you, uh, with you for maybe even for the conference if you want to do a live Absolutely. podcast at the conference. We you know, do it, man. We so, make uh, it happen. Yeah. So right now, I'm, I'm in my I'm in my planning stages of that. I'm reaching out to people, um, different businesses, and seeing who may be interested. Like I got people that's going to cater. Uh, so you know, saying so you might be a good a good fit if you want to do a live podcast at the conference, you know, and just interview. I got different people that's gonna be traveling in as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Different people that you know you could probably throw a couple of questions at, you know, things like that. You Absolutely. know, what I'm saying so. Definitely, man. I'm, I'm all about networking. I'm all about empowering, and I'm all about us really like building, man. Because that's where we at, man. It's I feel like our generation is that generation. Like, we're going to turn this tide, man. And the thing about it, in the previous generations before us, they have been. But I feel like our generation is that generation that's going to turn the tide on over some more, man. Like like you said, it's it's time for this now for our people to, you know, come together and and support each other, man. We got social media. We have all these things that we're accessible to. um, But now it's just time to put in the work and grind and support each other, man. And don't, don't... don't be ashamed of reaching out and asking for help or not wanting to help anybody because you, you guys are kind of doing some of the same things that are similar, man. Like, when I see people like that, I appreciate it, and I'm, I want to push them because, man, it's like inspiration. We need more of our people to get a foot in the door. Right. That way they can pull us up with them along the way. But, Jared, I appreciate you again, man. Before we get out of here also, well, thank you to KB's Car Care. Thank you to Big Ben's Desserts. Thank you, Miss Charlene and Charlene's Home Cooking. Also, I almost forgot... Thank you to uh, Miss Cynthia. Faces by Cynthia on 27 East Main Street in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you didn't get a chance to watch us live, make sure you go back and watch it. You can listen to it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play. I'll just name a few. I think I said iHeartRadio. I always forget that part of the Because <laughs> we're just about, basically we're on every platform. And also, you can watch it on YouTube. And it'll also be available on my website, carloskaysmith.com. So hopefully everybody you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is a Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.